You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you to subscribe to The Authenticity Show, if you haven't already done so, wherever you get your podcasts, and find us on social media. Check out our YouTube page, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook. This will help us. And that came, of course, with a please and a thank you. This episode is about discipline. Carlos and Satch talk about various ways they've developed discipline in their lives, whether it's just learning patience, learning how to fish, breakdancing, martial arts, all kinds of stuff. And they talk about the sometimes fraught relationship of master and student. All right, let's dive in. Carlos, what is the most disciplined thing you think you've ever done in your life? Okay, let's rewind the clock a little bit. I think it was significant that I decided to be more patient. It took a lot of freaking discipline. Okay, so you you like actually chose like a personal characteristic that you wanted to develop. I saw it as a disadvantage. In particular, you know, I'm a relationship person. I'm wired for connection. If if I'm wired for anything, I'm definitely wired for connection. So when you're in relationships, if you're not patient, it's a problem. Because a lot of shit happens that you can't handle unless you've developed patience. Yeah. Yeah. So you made a conscious decision that this was something that you were going to do. And, um, about how old were you when you had this idea? <sighs> Probably it started at around seven ish. I started oh, thinking wow. about you it. were like a child, you were a child. Yeah. But it wasn't until I had the opportunity to study things like martial arts and yoga that I had a way of looking at it and thinking about it and practicing it. That was more specific rather than just a general intention, mm. a try, if you will. It became a thing where <clears throat> I had measurable uh, results I could check into. You yeah. know, if, if you're told to stand still and breathe and not move and you're told to still your mind or concentrate on something and not let your mind waver, and it does, well, you have a, a clear reflection of whether or not you're doing it. You can see whether you're succeeding or not succeeding. And um, <clears throat> that began, you know, the, the reading about the stories of people who had in, developed incredible focus, incredible patience, uh, and what they were able to achieve, it became more and more clear that if I didn't develop patience, I wouldn't be able to achieve anything. Hmm. Well, anything of, of note, the things nice. that I wanted to achieve. You know, wow, wow. Skills. As uh, Napoleon Dynamite would have said. Yeah, skills. Skills. Right, skills. Yeah. Bow fighting skills. That's right. Cage fighting skills. Yeah. Skills. So, you know, when I asked you this question, I was first expecting to hear something like, you know, martial arts or mm. something like um, all of your NLP training, you know, and, and, and all of that. Mm. Um, but I like how you still talked about something like martial arts and yoga. But you used those, those you know, disciplines as sort of a, a measuring stick for your development of patience as a discipline. Yeah. And speaking from my 2020 self, observing how interactions have gone in the past with people who were, uh, let's say, in conflict with me, a common thing I've heard is, it's easy for you. You know, this idea that, oh, you know, being patient is easy for you. 
not realizing how freaking unpatient or impatient I was. Impatient. There we go. I knew it would be one yeah. of those three. <laughs> anyway, impatient. Um, I'm patient. I've gone from impatient to I'm patient. Yeah, there, there you go. go. <laughs> but anyway. But not a patient. Not a patient yet. I've different. been your patient. Though. You've treated yeah, yeah. me well. That's true. That's true. I, I consider you more of a client. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when the suggestion is maybe you just need to like calm down and think before you speak or check in with how you feel, take some breaths before you react or anything that suggests that you would slow down can be met sometimes by people who don't work on that very much with this reaction of, you know, it's easy for you to say, yeah, this is easy for you. Yeah. You know, you're just naturally yeah. patient. And none of those things are true. Mm. I wasn't naturally patient. It's not easy for me. Mm, it took discipline. It took discipline. Yeah. And, and even sometimes uh, to this very day, I, I um, will run into something where I have to check myself. Mm-hmm. and remind myself that I need the resource of patience. All day long, I'm listening to clients and their stories and different things and yeah. what's going on with them. And even though I do like to try to help them cut to the chase and get to the structure of what's happening, there's a, it's different for each person. Some people need a little more story than others, in my experience. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So people who go in with this attitude of, I'm really efficient, I just do this, this, and this, and we're done, boom. You know, this kind of efficient trip that people are on sometimes. Yeah. That's great. Sometimes. It's not great all the time. Yeah. Right, right. Some situations call for patience. Yeah. When I hear the word discipline, Mm -hmm. I think of two different things. One of them is a certain toughness, like structure that's imposed on me, you Mm -hmm. know, um, a heavy handedness, a firmness, you know. Um, being tough or hard on oneself or, or being tough or hard on somebody else. Militaristic. Yeah. And that's one type of discipline, mm-hmm. whether that's from an external source or even, you know, self-discipline. The other way that I find myself looking at it is more of the idea of being a disciple, mm, you know, like being, a true student of something. A true student. Yeah. Being a student a of something. Student. Yes. A devoted yeah. student. Yeah. Perfect. And Love so, it. um, and I think there's room for both, mm-hmm. except one of them doesn't feel as free to me. You know, because like when I think of myself as being disciplined in the sense of being a <clears throat> disciple, it's intrinsic motivation. It's coming from inside of me. It's coming from love. Y- you're right. Because yeah. you love whatever it is that whatever you it is you're doing. Yeah. are doing and how it makes you feel and, and the way it makes you experience yeah. the world from that set of eyes and ears. Right, right. One of the first disciplines I remember getting into, and and, and I thought about this when you were talking about your experience with developing patients. I started to think, well, what caused me to develop my patients? And I think probably one of the first things was learning how to be a fisherman, fishing. Um, Because when you're a kid and you fall in love with fishing, all you want to do is catch fish. And everybody knows that you've got to be patient when you're a fisherman. <laughs> mm-hmm. And fishing was quite a discipline for me. I went fishing with my dad and, you know, caught some fish and just loved it as a kid. And then I just wanted to fish, 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 fish. And then what does a little kid do? They get the pole in the water and then they want to like reel it back in and check the bait. And then put some more bait on and throw it back out there again. And then maybe, maybe change to a different spot. We're not catching anything. Let's move over here. Let's move over there. And 
there's a time to make those moves, but usually you do better if you act patiently and you still yourself. And I, I can reflect back on my life and I think fishing was the activity that really was my introduction into meditation, which is its own discipline, you know? And is a lot like fishing. A lot like fishing, right, exactly. There's, there's, there's this alert, patient wakefulness. Stillness. Stillness. You know, um, it's intelligent, you know, yet you have to engage in not doing anything for a while <laughs> in order to get something done. And there's this quality of um, that which is below the surface, that which is moving below the surface from whatever Ooh, depths is, are there. I like that. And the hook and, and the bait, you know, it's like this yeah. is the, the structure of your practice and how you consistently apply it. And there's a the appearance at least of separateness, but when you actually connect and you're reeling in a fish, mm -hmm. in a sense, you could argue that you're both having the experience simultaneously, that fish and you. And of course nice. the water's being agitated and nothing in that moment could not be there. Everything has to be there. So in yeah. a sense, it's a moment of oneness. Oh, that's beautiful. So, I love that idea. Yeah. yeah. The, the discipline of fishing also taught me to see things from the perspective of others. Because if you're going to catch fish, you have to think like a fish. Here's an example. If you have a fish on the hook and that fish is starting to pull your line towards weeds, like you see that there's maybe some, some tree branches or something in the water mm. and it's trying to get over there and tangle the line up, you have to think like a fish. You have to say, wait a minute. If I start to pull my fishing pole in the direction of the weeds, the fish will instinctively pull the other way. So if I pull the fish to the right, the fish will then pull to the left where I, where I really wanted the fish going to the left to steer the fish away from the weeds. Mm, one step ahead. Right. You have to think about things like, how does a fish actually behave when they're starting to approach the bait and nibble on it and make the decision, is this safe? Is this safe? Is this safe? I'm going to eat it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think that that caused me to have to slow down my own thinking mm -hmm. and realize that other creatures, other beings, whether they're human or not, have their own perspective, their own way of seeing things. And you have to systematically begin to categorize these different ways of approaching and seeing and thinking, right? In order to be successful at that discipline. And I think the discipline of fishing um, also was my introduction to learning how to um, observe my excitements and frustrations and, you know, various emotions and do what needs to be done or follow the technique that I was taught to reel in the fish, regardless of how I'm feeling. Because hmm. when you're a child and you get a nibble on the line, you want to pick it up and reel in the fish, mm -hmm. but you can't. You can only do that if the fish is already on the line. Instead, you have to pick up the pole slowly, not let the fish hear you or feel the line move. You got to reel it and take up the slack. You got to watch the line, see if the fish feels safe enough to take it. The fish starts to take it. Then you set the hook. Then you have this rush of excitement. Oh my God, the fish is on the line. Oh, I got it. But you can't just get excited and reel it in because if you do that, you'll break the line. Mm. You got to reel it in, feel what the fish is doing. Like you said earlier, there's a oneness that's there. Mm -hmm. Me and the fish are feeling each other. And if I want to get that fish out of the water, I cannot violate the principles 
of fishing. If I pull the line too fast, it snaps. If I reel it in too quickly, um, if I try to pull it onto the shore and I pull the fish out of the water without a net, suddenly the fish out of the water is heavy, it snaps the line. You know, if, if the fish um, is strong in the beginning of the battle, the fish will break the line. So you have to set the reel so that the fish is allowed to pull and so it goes so it doesn't break the line but gets tired. Mm. Right? And so there's all this strategy that goes into that. And that's really hard to execute all of that strategy when you're a child and you're super, super excited. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, so, no, no, I, I, I wasn't thinking that fishing was my introduction to discipline. But as you mentioned, patience, I realized it probably was. It was it probably the first like discipline. It. Yeah. And it hasn't escaped me that when we walked in here tonight, there was the distinct smell of cooked fish. That's correct. Oliver had some Oliver's fish something home. going on here. Yeah. <laughs> Where the studio is. Yeah. And he had cooked salmon for his uh, wife and children. Look at that. Yeah. You know, pretty so cool. We, we thought there was something fishy about it. There was. There was something fishy about it. There was. My second discipline was breakdancing. Hmm. I think breakdancing was, next to fishing, probably the first activity that I decided I needed to get good at. I was probably, I don't know, fourth or fifth grade, you know, when that whole scene started for me. I remember you doing windmills. Yeah, you remember that? I remember the first time I did one. It was like, oh my God, I just did a windmill. <gasps> you know, um, it took tremendous structure and routine and practice every day after school practice get the cardboard and the ghetto blaster and do your head spins <laughs> and you know what I mean and do all that stuff it was great you know um so beatboxing yeah beatboxing so um how about you what are some other other things that you associate with mm, well definitely school? martial arts i mean i got into martial arts pretty early so i was eight or nine and um and yeah i mean that was a, a big deal i think i was practicing martial arts before I was learning martial arts yeah. because I think I was too. Yeah. I, 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 too. I sort of, you know, the whole thing we've talked about, um, uh, identity and beliefs, uh, okay. leading before, uh, you know, behaviors and actions and ultimately results. Yeah. 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 Um, that sort of be, do have formula yes. we've talked about. Yes. The Neil Donald Walsh thing. Yeah. Um, deciding that I wanted to do Kung Fu that I wanted to do martial arts, that I wanted to be the martial art master or whatever, mm -hmm. um, drove me to eventually um, taking it, you know, studying it. Yeah. But it started with me pretending that I had it already. I would put on a bathrobe. It was green and it had like some kind of weird plaid <laughs> oh, thing going great. on. And I tied it. I remember my brother was asking me um, that about studying martial arts. And I said, well, I'll teach you kind of thing. <laughs> and I had set up this, this martial art class and he said, well, what belt are you? And I said... I, I told him, I don't know what I said, some kind of everything belt or whatever, because yeah. it had all these colors on it. It uh -huh. had like green and red and black. A rainbow belt. It. it was a rainbow yeah. belt. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Rainbow power. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. So that, I think great. martial arts was a big deal for, for yeah. that because it's, it's, martial arts, as you know, it's hard. It's really hard. It's difficult. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of um, effort that goes into <clears throat> 
learning to have that much control over your body and then doing that with a with another person someone yeah. else who's attacking you grappling with you um you know sending a spear at your chest yeah, or whatever right, it is right right um, that's not something you can do by yourself yeah you need right. in order for for it to be really martial arts it's got to have other people there if you're just doing forms it's not really martial arts it's not it's yeah. just cat uh, choreography i guess yeah. you could say it's dance it's dance yeah, yeah just fine i remember it's at not the martial s- arts yeah I remember at the school we trained at, because you and I both studied martial arts elsewhere before yep. we ended up at the same school. Yep. Um, I did um, mm-hmm. some some Shaolin Kung Fu, which was mostly forms. Mm-hmm. Speaking of forms, I was a kid. I was I was quite young at the uh-huh. time. It was appropriate for my age at that time, I guess. Yeah. And I know you had studied um, uh, Taekwondo. Taekwondo, yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And when I first started at the school that we attended together... At I, first, we studied... Black Belt Theater and Kung Fu Theater. Though, yes. Oh, definitely. Which was Saturdays at midday. Definitely. Oh, I... I yeah, that was my first... I remember having conversations <laughs> with my friends that that we actually were learning a lot from watching these shows. Right. You know? right. And <laughs> then, of course, you know, believed, yeah. our, our philosophy, not our martial arts, but our philosophy, our philosophy. came from uh, Kung Fu. Yeah, yeah. Very David interesting. David Carradine. Yeah. Um, I remember when we started... Well, when I started training at the school that, that you and I both attended... Um, being a little bit surprised, but also totally digging this idea that if you were sweating and your cheek was tickled from the sweat, that you did not reach up and wipe it off. (laughs) To me, that was like, that's discipline. Oh man, the discipline, you know, like if it tickles, then you you don't wipe your sweat. You stand there and you not move. You stand at attention and you're ready to explode at any moment. That's right. You know, you have an itch. You don't don't scratch it. You don't scratch your itch. No way. Scratch that idea. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, So it it was great, you know, but, but what was funny is um, I still had a young person's idea about what discipline was at that time. And it was an important stage. I mean, still, there, there was some truth to it. I, w- I was still at that part of my life thinking of it more as uh, the external structure of discipline, mm-hmm. you know. But I did try to punish myself in order to create more discipline. I remember, um, uh, well, another discipline that I got into was um, doing my bicycle tricks, the bike freestyle, right. bicycle freestyle work. And right. uh, I used to uh, ride all day with my friends and then we would go to the liquor store because we'd be so thirsty and hungry. And I would buy a candy bar and a drink. And it didn't, ma- it didn't matter how thirsty I was. Somehow I thought this was a great idea that I was not allowed to touch one sip of my drink until I finished my entire candy bar. You see how disciplined I was, mm. right? <laughs> I'm going to finish this entire Snickers bar or Mars bar or whatever I had at the time, mm-hmm. right? Which, which I would never touch now, right? <laughs> and I would eat the whole thing and I would finish it and be like, now I can have my soda, <laughs> right? Again, something I wouldn't touch now. Was right? it a New York seltzer? Um, I did like New York seltzers, right? But those were healthier. Okay, you see how that was? Got it. Um, no, it was more like a you know a thirsty two ouncer or whatever it was. Okay, um, but it was funny how that you know. But I was trying to do that because that was going to make me a better martial artist. You see the self discipline. Wow. Yeah, it's That's funny. Some how serious that, shit right there. It is, bro. It is. Yeah. Well, um, you know, a lot of things we're talking about, I and mean, we it leads into other things that we've done. I mean, vipassana meditation yeah. is a discipline. It is. I mean, speaking sure of meditation is. earlier, right? Yeah. Um, remember the aditana, you know, the strong practice. Yeah. When you're learning and how you have to, during those times, you're, it's, you're admonished to be 
extra mindful and extra motionless and extra yeah. clear on what the goal is and can practice uh, with mm. care, deep care. And, and Goenka hour. would teach us to do it patiently and persistently. Yes. Patiently, patiently and, persistently, and persistently. Which is exactly what we're talking about right yeah, now. Patiently and persistently. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, what is possible when you discipline yourself is a much, let's, let's say it's a much bigger pool of possibilities than when you're not. Yeah. Whatever your, let's say potential is, maybe you, you'll never really know what your potential is. Maybe it's not even possible to know what your potential is. That's kind of a big idea, but your capability, you might know, and your capabilities can grow. You know, if you get new skills or knowledge, training, that kind of thing, you can expand your capabilities. Yeah, you sure can. Yeah. You can also discover new capabilities you when can. you're, when you're refining, you know, what you do have. You develop. Yeah. You know, you, you, yeah. you get a developmental experience through, um, what's possible through disciplining yourself, becoming a disciple of something. Yeah. 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 Um, I like the idea of becoming becoming a disciple of anything that is a discipline, the, mm -hmm. the, the disciple of discipleship in a way, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you learn so much from being a true student. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like Devotee. the word, yeah, I like the word carryover, you know, carryover is, is something we talk about a lot in the therapy world. And when I say therapy world, I mean like the rehabilitation, occupational therapy, physical mm -hmm. therapy, mm -hmm. carryover is when you learn or relearn a skill, something maybe that was lost or something that one never had, and then they develop the skill, and then they carry it over into new contexts. Okay, so they're generalizing. Generalization, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly, yeah, to generalize it to another context. Right? Cool. So carry over a generalization, yeah. Um, and gosh, I mean, fishing, breakdancing, bicycle freestyle, martial arts, all of those things shared characteristics that I can truly see have generalized or carried over to other aspects of my life that gave me skills that I don't know that I would have been successful in other things had I not had those foundational things that I got from my earlier years of, of play, basically. Yeah, you know? play. Yeah, because kids play sometimes with tremendous discipline and patience. They do. <laughs> They can be very devoted. I think you and I may have discussed this whole idea of laziness. Yeah, laziness. Okay. If you're really devoted to being restful, are you lazy? I mean, if somebody tries to persuade you to not be restful and you're so steadfast that you're going to rest, mm -hmm. then wow, that takes tremendous discipline. It does. Yeah. I mean, imagine doing that when your parents are yelling at you to do something different. Imagine how much discipline it takes to just ignore your parents and continue relaxing. Oh man. Doing what you want to do. It takes a lot of commitment. Tremendous commitment. It does. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a beautiful point. Right? You know, it does, yeah. Imagine what they're capable of. Yeah, because if you could do that, then you could basically develop a stillness that is unshakable in all circumstances. Right? I mean. I, I could see that actually happening. Right. You know, gosh, 
I'm going to take it back. I think fishing was not my first discipline. Mm. I think it was ignoring almost everything my mom asked me to do. Oh, see, there you go. You had early practice. That was it. Take out the trash. Yeah, I will. Take out the trash. Yeah, I will. Take out the trash. That was my first mantra. Yeah, I'm getting it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely my first mantra. Do your homework? (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) I don't have any. 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 Did I tell you my theme for this year? Please do. So remember, remember how uh, you did tell me, but let's okay. let's, discuss right, let's talk it. about it. So yeah. John Morgan was a wonderful guy that we interviewed, and he talked about having a theme every year. Yes, about choosing something to focus on and interpret life through for a year. So this year, I chose one of those themes. Um, I went to a workshop with a friend. Um, that was kind of like an end of year processing the previous year, get yourself ready for this upcoming year kind of idea. And my theme is loving discipline. Loving discipline. That's your theme. Yeah. Loving discipline. That's right. I remember now we talked about this, I think on a run, loving discipline. Yeah. Mm. So think about that as I'm saying it, loving discipline, loving discipline. Discipline it has two meanings, doesn't it? Has it has two meanings, exactly. It's, it's an ambiguity. Yeah, one of them is that you love discipline, mm-hmm. and the other one is a loving type of discipline. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It hit me as so important because last year um, really was a theme of learning about loving myself mm. in a, and, and actually experiencing the feeling of loving myself, not just knowing about this idea like it's some kind of you know, principle that you must do and knowing that it's a good idea, but actually feeling that I can achieve it like as an experience or, or, or a way of being that I can practice this thing of loving myself. And I'm still learning how, but I had a huge uh, breakthrough in that last year. And this year it made sense that I want to achieve a lot of things. Hmm. And there's some, some ways in which I am achieving some things, but I also feel like I'm, I'm kind of failing sometimes. You know, I feel like I'm just not reaching what I want and I feel I, I will get down on myself. That's, that's uh, something I need to work on, right? I'll say, oh man, I'm not achieving this. I'm not achieving that. I'm not reaching my goals here. Um, man, what's wrong with me? And, and, and that's hating on the self. Well, last year's lesson was all about loving myself more and realizing yeah. that talking to yourself that way isn't going to make it better. It certainly doesn't make, you know, my life better when I do it. I've never experienced it make me better. I have learned from others who have that bad habit of of uh, chastising like that. Yeah. Lots of people, but what I've learned is that's not really my voice. The inner self would not do that. Hmm. When I when I dive deeply in my into my being, I don't see this chastising person that wants to hate on me. But I certainly did towards the surface of okay. my awareness. Yeah. A lot more toward the, the further out to the surface it got, the more it became chastising, criticizing, okay. all that stuff. Yeah. Because those are the things that I learned. Yeah. I grew up uh, learning those things from my environment. So it's so important. I'm realizing it's so important, at least for me, 
to recognize that I have goals for a reason. I really want these things to become true. I want to make them true. I want to achieve them, right? Mm -hmm. But to some degree, there's that sense of knowing that I am that first. Yeah. Like we talked about earlier, this idea that my identity has to identify with having achieved it already to some degree. Okay. So that I can step into the role of doing everything necessary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I spoke with you maybe about... uh, uh, your nephew recently, you know, we had a fun conversation about uh-huh. school and things like that. Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember yeah. that? He thought he had a test. Uh-huh. And so he studied really hard for this test. He actually didn't have a test then. Oh, got it. And he realized that he stressed himself out to like really study all this stuff. And he said, well, at least I know all this stuff. And then, and then eventually he took the test like a week later. And I said, well, how'd you do? He said, I did really great. I think I, he think he got an A or something. He was yeah. really excited. And I was excited for him too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I recognized that his motivational style was, I need a fire under my ass to get me to do this. Yes. And he's old yeah. enough to know that. Yeah. He, he knows this about totally. himself. Yeah, yeah, totally. So it was just kind of like a fun moment where we were sharing in line, we we're getting, going to get some pizza or something. Mm-hmm. And it came up as a conversation. And I think I may have said something back to him like, so do you want to continue having results like that? And he's like, oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So I said, you better make sure that you realize that you're always a week behind your tests so that you can stress out and you know basically if you don't do that you're going to fail and if you fail you will have wasted all that time and it's going to feel terrible wouldn't it uh-huh. he's like yeah <laughs> it will and i said so you'll just study really really hard and get a's in your tests or have fun studying at least he's like yeah i said is that cool with you <laughs> he's like yeah that's cool with me <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful yeah. i like that and i remember that was like verbatim but it was more or less like what we uh-huh. talked about and yeah. and um I feel really good about that interaction. And in many cases with myself, I realize that sometimes we need different things in order to get to where we're going. Sometimes you need to have a, a way, an away from image, something to scare you away from something. Yeah. Because that's where your consciousness is at the beginning of that process. Now, I'm very confident that um, there are things about school that Tyler likes. Yeah. Oh, totally. Even though of he used to describe himself as someone who's not into that kind of thing. Yeah. I now know because we've talked about like what he does and the things he loves. Uh-huh. There's aspects that are not away from, that are towards, towards yeah. motivated. Yeah. Meaning he's yeah. he's like he really loves this aspect of it, and so he moves toward it. And he doesn't need any fire under his ass to make him move toward it. He just moves toward it. It's like a magnet. He he wants that, and it pulls him toward it. Yeah. When it comes to taking tests or studying for tests, that is, for him, it's not a towards motivation. It's not like, oh, I got to do this so I can make a good grade. Yeah. It's, oh shit, I'm going to fail. You know what I mean? Oh shit, I'm going to, I don't have enough time. I'm, I, I need to cram right. this in. So, so, so there's an aspect of, you know, there's some parts of every person that you need a little bit of the opposite. You do. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And it's different for everyone. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that's what people forget sometimes. Yeah. Um, so with re- regard to 2020, um, to bring this around to what we were talking about is, um, I want to achieve all these things, but if I'm not careful, I'll be chastising myself and shaking my own finger at myself and, and creating negative feelings in front of the path that I'm walking. Yeah. So that I keep walking into these negative feelings instead of walking into the feeling of achievement. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So All for right. this reason, loving discipline is way more important to me than just discipline. Mm, that's great. 
That's great. I'm not, it's not about discipline for me. Yeah. Not this year, at least. Huh. It's about loving discipline. Yeah. And I've had to remind myself several times since then, since January 1st. Loving discipline. But it's loving important. I, I, I think great. I picked a good one for me this year. Excellent. I love it. Loving discipline. You know, um, <clears throat> something I've noticed within, I don't know, the last, I guess maybe in the last year or so, uh -huh. I've had the experience sometimes if I'm doing a little bit of weightlifting or if we're running or if I was in spin class, something, something challenging to my body, um, there's some pain and displeasure that's there. But if I look deeper into the pain and the displeasure, I actually can notice that there are some small sections in the muscles that are being challenged that are feeling joy. Mm. And um, if I focused too much on the gross discomfort, um, I would miss the fact that there actually are some fibers that are going, oh, this is awesome. Hmm. And then I notice if I can recognize where those spots are in my body and I pay attention to those, then that feeling of pleasure and joy with the exercise, mm -hmm. not always, but quite often will continue to grow. And I'll actually realize that my body is enjoying the benefit that it's getting from this. And now I'm no longer only feeling the pain or the discomfort or mm -hmm. the misery, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't know, that just, what, what you described about, you know, loving discipline and, and you know, and all that. That's um, a physical just, application of it. Yeah, it just reminded me that there's always some spot in my body that is enjoying the experience of being, that's, that's enjoying the activity that I'm doing, even though there are other parts maybe that are going, ooh, this is starting to hurt. This is starting mm -hmm. to burn, right? right. <laughs> like, yeah, but this part is having a great time. Brilliant. You know, <laughs> I don't Brilliant. know. I just, you yeah, know, I love just it. Reminded me of that. Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, um, you probably had the experience of, you know, where you're running or doing some kind of cardio and you feel the pound in your chest. Yeah. And then maybe yeah. possibly crosses your mind that, you could have a cardiac arrest. Right. But this is this is challenging my heart too much. Am yeah, I gonna run out of heartbeats? It's hard not quicker? to have that cross your mind yeah. when you when you've had this much knowledge about that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. but um so then what's the opposite thought of it is oh, I'm enjoying this. My heart is relaxing. Oh, my heart is at peace. And that softness of of sensation that you begin to imagine entering into your chest. And it's oh. almost as though you're um reflexively relaxing your heart as yeah. you're running. And perhaps I've, it's all the support muscles around the yeah, chest cavern sure, or whatever, sure. but it does feel like that. And then lo and behold, your stamina goes up. Yes. Lo and behold. I've had that experience. Your heart does seem to maintain a little bit. And lo and behold, that focus almost hypnotizes you. You get into a, a kind of a syncopation, I guess, or a rhythm or something with your heart. Yeah. And it's as though you start to ride this delicate balance like you're a cat walking along the edge of a wall or something where if you just kind of go with it, you're going to be able to control this heartbeat. It's like a yoga of some kind. Oh, you know what I mean? Totally. I totally and then know you, you do. Mean. And then of course, yeah. you, sometimes you'll fall off of it because maybe you thought about it too much or something yeah. and then suddenly you have to just stop because you're panting too hard. <laughs> totally. And other times you just, boom, you do it. 
Yeah. And it does totally. seem like when you're well rested, it's much easier. And it makes me think of yes. all the things you've told me in the past about like, you know, your chi and your jing and how, your shen and all the aspect of sleeping and how it the all energy going into your heart. Yeah. yeah. Sinking into the heart yeah, yeah. and resting there. Oh, that's awesome. All that. So it makes me think of all that when, when, when I run. Oh, like me too. Me yeah. too. You know, in um, the book Born to Run, by Christopher McDougall, yep. um, that every every minimalist runner has read, right? Mm-hmm. And then asks every other minimalist runner if they've read it. Mm-hmm. Um, he mentions the Hopi Indians and how they used to have these epic runs where they would run from like, you know, the desert all the way to the ocean. Mm. Like, like hundreds of miles that they would have to, to run in order to make it to the ocean. And then one of the things that they would do is each runner would choose somebody at home in their village that wasn't running and they would dedicate the effort in each step to that loved one. Beautiful. Maybe it's somebody who needs some help. Maybe it's somebody who's not well. Mm-hmm. And as they would run, they would dedicate each step to this loved one and they would ask the great spirit to match their strength to help this person that they're running for. It's kind of like a membership drive for KPFK. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We'll match we're, your donation. Yeah, you uh, do the AIDS walk or yeah. something. Or, you know, <laughs> you know, well, we're going to pay you for you to be miserable in the sun, right? You know, yeah. something like that, right? Yeah. Um, and so um, uh, it just reminded me of that, you know, because yeah. it, it, it also um, brings up this idea that you can, and I believe you can do this, that you can choose a character aspect in yourself or something in your life that you want to make stronger with whatever the disciplined physical activity is. Sort of like earlier when we started this conversation, you were talking about um, patience, right? And how you were using martial arts to strengthen your patience, mm-hmm. right? Um, there have been times in my life when we've been on runs and I've had a theme for my run where like, what I'm gonna do in this run is I'm going to develop my stillness or I'm going to develop yeah. my um, ability to um, work hard or I'm going to develop my ability to... Um, be even. Yeah, whatever it might be. Yeah. And then and then all the strength, all the, all the endurance I'm getting from that exercise mm-hmm. is also metaphorically strengthening this other characteristic that I want. Right. You know, like the Indians did when they dedicated something to a loved one. So it's kind of cool. It's fun to do I those kinds that. of things. Um, yeah. You're reminding me of an article I read many years ago, probably 25, 30 years ago or more. Yeah. Mm. It was about an American Taoist teacher okay. who was living in Northern California, I think. Um, and he had spent a, a bunch of time uh, with the masters in, you know, Wudong and places like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was teaching and it was very interesting to read about him. I don't, really know how legit it was, but I, I do know that as I read it, I was thinking about um, a, a specific comment he made because they were asking him about social action and you know making changes in the world. Like how is what you're doing as a practice contribute to the goodness and the health and safety of the world or you know one of those kind of questions. Yeah, okay. And he started to talk about tying his shoes for world peace. Oh, and things like that. Like, I'm intrigued. Uh, walking his path, chopping wood, carrying water for world peace, or having the mindset that everything he was doing was cultivating mm. something. 
And, you know, there are probably some social warriors who would get really pissed off at that statement and say, come on, that's bullshit. Um, mm. That's a cop-out. That's, you know, just sort of, you know, ignoring the humanity and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Maybe there's an argument to be made there. But, as we know, um, the whole world can be found within these four walls. Yeah. Right? So one person is not going to change the world. And yet, when they work on themselves, having yeah. the wherewithal and the steadfastness, the discipline, and the patience to be able to change the world or do something like changing yeah. goes up exponentially. Yeah. So yeah. that's cool. Anyway, I like that. I tying our great. shoes for yeah. uh, world peace. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. self-discipline did you have to access in order to do all of your NLP training? Because I know that mm. it's not, see, what, what you studied, to, to, to be able to do what you do mm-hmm. and the way you do it for the people that you do it for, mm-hmm. it's not like you can just enter a university program and get a degree in this and it's no. all given to you and there's a curriculum and you had to do a lot of study, mm-hmm. but you had to like find it. It would, it would almost be like shopping around at different universities to get your degree in physics. You know, like you'd have to yeah. find all these different people all over the place, you know, and it, and it seems like it would have taken sure. a lot of vision, a lot of, uh, I know you've done it over a very long period of time, yeah. you know, to, to get to where, you know, you're at now with all this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it did take me a while um, and I did have to seek it out. Okay. Um, it took a lot of comparison with other disciplines that I've had to say, what I've learned so far is not enough. This is just not enough. There's got to be more than this. And I know this because um, I've seen examples of people who are speaking or doing it, and, and nothing about my teachers really speaks to that so far. So there must be sources of, of learning that are deeper than that, better teachers, okay. if you will. Okay. Did a lot of YouTubing. I did okay. a lot of file sharing with people who have... Uh, courses and various kinds of things and really deeply diving into those things, sometimes running through them, you know, five, six times because I felt like I didn't quite know it enough, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was obsessive about it. I would just, you know, all throughout the day and late into the evening and on journeys and on trips and on vacations and on walks. And I was just constantly imbuing myself with it. I was that interested in it, super Mm -hmm. geeky about it. Okay. And that, leads you to develop filters in your consciousness. It did, it did for me. It caused me to be able to um, uh, have a better way of discussing it, asking for it, and recognizing it out okay. in the world. So when someone would talk about it, I would know if they knew something more than I did. Okay. And it would be, I would be all ears. Like, yeah. Ooh, okay. wow, what's that okay. about? Yeah. So it led me to eventually have some experiences with some high-level teachers. And now I'm quite happy, actually, with... The mentor that I have, uh, James mm. Sakalos, you know yeah. him. He's oh, a yeah, fantastic yeah. guy, uh, and, and he's my mentor in NLP. I I, I wouldn't choose another because he's yeah. he's a fantastic guy, and he's been a great teacher. And he really, uh, no matter what, I feel like as I continue, we're going to be lifelong friends. There's that feeling of mm-hmm. no matter what, like I go on to, to teach like he does or whatever, he's going to be fully supportive. He's just that kind of person. Nice. And you know, he's kind of like the last person I would 
well, the last source, I mean. Like yeah. he's, not, he's the first person I might ask, but I'm just saying he's yeah. also the last person I might ask in a sense that now I want to check all this with him yeah. and see what he thinks. <laughs> right, you know? right, right, right. Uh, not that everything has to go like that, but when you want to seek your teacher, you kind of want to have some, you know, reflection or, or a yardstick of some kind. Yeah. Maybe at the end of the day, he can't be a yardstick because we are our own person. Yeah. I'm my own person. But that's the whole thing of being a disciple of some tradition or a system is you need something to look at. You need an example of excellence. Yeah. And for me, um, as much as I've delved into NLP, uh, James is a perfect exemplary of somebody who's like what I would like to be. Okay. He's very much like the kind of person that I already identify with, you know, that I, that I feel I'm developing inside myself. Mm -hmm. And most of my teachers that I really have a, a, a lot of respect for people that have influenced me, most of them are friends. Yeah. Uh, which is a good thing. That's great. For yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there are some that I respect that I'm not really friends with per se. We're friendly, uh -huh. okay. but most of the, the main people that I really go, yeah, you know, I resonate with the way that person thinks and I resonate you know, not with how they do everything in the world. We have yeah, differences, sure, of course. Sure. Yeah. But just generally, how they think about life and how they think about their their work and how mm -hmm. they think about people and how they yeah. think about the mind and how they think about uh, the exercising of experience and doing the world and all that stuff. Yeah. They have unique ways that I resonate with. And they teach me things just through conversation, just through sharing stories, having a laugh, eating a meal together, plus... I can sit in front of them like, you know, a student in a desk or whatever in a chair and listen to them uh, either lecturing, training, or demonstrating whatever it is they do and feel completely wide open like a sponge, just mm -hmm. going, you know, wanting to soak it in mm -hmm. and understand it and explore yeah. it. Very and I feel cool. perfectly yeah. comfortable expressing to them too. Like, I feel yeah. like I could be me and they're not threatened. It's awesome. Right, just right. Just like ask stuff like purely and we can joke and we can laugh about it. And mm -hmm. that's really important to me. You know, I want to point out that um, you and I both, it's important what you just said. Yeah. Because um, I, I just kind of had an insight. Mm -hmm. You and I both, um, going back to our younger years with our martial arts teacher and you know, various teachers we've had, and we've had similar conversations where there has been a tendency in the past to want to find the ultimate teacher and then find a teacher and then have too high of expectations of that person, put them right. on a pedestal, so to speak. Yep. And then ultimately become disappointed. Yep. Right. And, um, I know that that's happened to me a number of times. Uh, I know what's happened to you. Yeah. Um, I think that when you truly develop your inner self-discipline, when you're truly a disciple mm -hmm. where, where you're, <clears throat> you're, you're, intrinsic source of discipline is you know is there that you've developed mm -hmm. right and it doesn't have to come from the outside then you can be friends with your teacher you can be friends with your mentor in a way you know what i mean um uh, I, you know and, and we understand there is a, a certain caution that's there but when you have that inner discipline you understand that caution is there i think i i understand what you're saying and um maybe maybe you are implying this as well too um mm -hmm. but this is an area that that kind of maybe devil's advocate that popped in my head when you said that. Mm -hmm. um, in the cases where the teacher was not an example of someone who I would consider a friend. Okay. 
Yeah. Just someone who was like a, a teacher that I respected, like a yeah. martial arts teacher or something like that. I very much was taking on the practice intrinsically. Yeah. And it didn't matter because their model and my model of how it could go mm-hmm. was significantly different. Okay. In the sense that I had to be the disciple and that's it. Yeah. And for me, uh, loving uh, expands very often beyond the normal boundaries, you know, uh, because uh, lots of people walk around with kind of shackles on themselves and aren't expressive and they don't really behave like they're vulnerable, open selves. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. Not everybody should do that (laughs) Uh Uh, in every case. But as you know, I tend to look for, for, um, the types of connections where it is possible to be more than just color by numbers. Yeah. You know, uh, obviously there's places where you need to color by the numbers. I'm cool with that. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying or suggesting that should be no structure, just saying Mm -hmm. we're so much more than that. We're so much beyond that. I mean, this world, we don't even know what's beyond this world, like what's beyond our life. So a connection where there's this very obvious hierarchy instead of expertise and a learner, but it goes beyond that, some kind of a, Mm. maybe an old school head trip around uh, master and student or something like that, these kind of weird roles. I think that outdated energy Uh um, is difficult to have it go well. It can. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. It can. Yeah, My heart was pure and I could have easily devoted to my master and been very, very uh, dedicated in that sense. I was. You were as well. But in our case, the master uh, or masters um, had not really developed themselves enough to be able to really carry that. And yet they were expecting all of the social norms around that, all of the rules to be applied as if that were true. As if, exactly. Which makes it really fucking difficult to exactly. have a real conversation. Yeah. The conversations are always twisted, always yeah. a little bit turned around and always a bit like two ships uh, sailing and missing each other at the night, you know? Yeah. In the night. Yeah. Whereas, like my mentor in NLP, I can freaking talk to him. I just mm-hmm. can. I can, I can yeah. share how I feel about stuff. Uh, he doesn't even have to approve <laughs> yeah, and that's okay. Yeah, like I don't feel offended by it. Right, it's fine. And he he feels my friendship is from a real place. And all the people that have yeah. you know that he's collected around you know this Southern California area mm-hmm. are examples of people that really genuinely like him. You know, yeah, I like him. Yeah, he's, he's a great awesome. guy. Yeah, um, I remember when we went and had uh, street tacos. Yeah, in Santa Ana. that exactly. was great. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've had the um, pleasure many, many, many times to go to um, conferences, you know, workshops, various meetings uh-huh. with other educators in the occupational therapy field and in the acupuncture or Chinese medicine field, where there are no quote unquote students there. It's a convention of teachers, <laughs> program directors, yeah. you know, these kinds of people or faculty members. And when you're in a room full of people that are all, you know, well-educated and intelligent and and have some skill and knowledge in a particular subject matter, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, it is amazing what those people can teach and learn from each other. It's actually the epitome of the right way to learn. 
and the right way to teach at the same time. Because it's describing what you're describing in, in your relationship with, you know, what you want in a mentor. Right. You know, um, when there is this idea of, I like how you said that earlier, the head trip of master and disciple. Right. Right. Instead of just mutual respect. Right. Um, because in any situation when one person is teaching another person and one person is learning from another person, one is a teacher and one is a disciple. Yeah. But when we start to add the identity on top of ourselves, we earlier in this conversation talked about the power of identity, Mm -hmm. identifying. What do you do when you are identifying yourself as the student? That means you're never going to be the master in a way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. And yeah, you need to be a good student to be a master, but you got to be a student who's also takes ownership that they're, they are, they're just, you know, early masters, you know, (laughs) it's so important what you're saying in this, uh, I'm sensing a kind of feeling in my body. That's telling me that I need to say this to you, uh, and to the world, uh, teachers who abuse their authority. Mm -hmm. And, oh man, you've got some Mm -hmm. serious karma coming to you because that's, that's just, um, a really, really dangerous thing to do to yourself. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Ultimately. Absolutely. But having said that, um, it's so important that the message, the seed, the kernel of, of this really get taken in by anyone who feels taken in. Yes. Because that whole thing of taking responsibility, owning your learning process, mm-hmm. that you're teaching yourself by the ways in which you listen to your teacher, the ways in which you apply the lessons, the ways in which you ask questions and the ways in which you ask yourself the question, is this really true? Can I verify this with my own experience or not? And if not, what am I missing? Yeah. Exploring, being curious, Sherlocking, if you will, asking these questions, really doing epistemology. Mm -hmm. How do I know that I know? Instead of having crap thinking and just some weird sort of... I don't know, woo-woo answer for stuff. Uh Literally ask yourself the question, really. How do you know that you know? Really being clear on that. That's super huge. It's great. And if you have that mindset and a a teacher is abusive, you're going to know. And then you can think clearly through an experience like that. Yeah. A master's job is to make masters. Yeah. You know, um, a master's job is not to make students. And I think that's where some of that danger starts to grow. Oh, I'm the master and these are my students. It's like, well, they shouldn't be students indefinitely or else you're a shitty master. Yep. <laughs> you know, um, and, that's right. and that's not to, you know, that, that, that's not to say, you know, some things aren't hard to learn. Yeah. Some things are really hard to learn. Of course. You know? um, but still. Exactly. Yeah. If you're devoting a lot of serious tears and sweat and sometimes blood mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for more than a decade, and you're not even close. You're not even close. There's an error you, somewhere. There's an error somewhere. You start, start scratching your head yeah. and, and yeah. looking at this from a different point of view. Yeah. And this is coming from uh, two people, you and me, mm-hmm. that have had a lot of experience with teachers, yes, gurus yeah. of various sorts, you know what I mean? And uh, um, I no longer put teachers on pedestals, but I sure do respect them, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Absolutely. Uh, I always remember when, when the Buddha first became the Buddha, when he became enlightened, 
um, as the story goes, he thought to himself, how could I ever possibly teach what I've discovered to anybody? Right. It's like, where would he even begin? It was like so huge, right? And so his first students were his old friends that he used to do these incredible, difficult disciplines in the forest with. They were colleagues. Right. So his first students had the mindset of colleagues. Right. And they all caught on pretty quickly. Yep. You know, not to say it was easy in the beginning, but they all caught on and they all became enlightened as the story goes. Right. And I think that's a really good model. Like I've learned more from my friends Me too. <laughs> than Me I have too. from my gurus. Oh my God. That is so true. And, and it's because when there is a mutual respect and, and a certain trust and see this is the idea, if, if I learn something from you mm. or any of our friends in our circle, it's okay for me to put my ego aside mm -hmm. and just learn, mm -hmm. you know? And then when I step up and I can do it and I can be the master of the thing that they just taught me, they're happy for me. Yep. Right. And we, it's they not excited. Yeah. And it's not challenging. Yeah. It's yeah. not challenging that thing of oh, the student's going to become better than the teacher, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and uh, so, yeah, so anybody out there, if you're in one of those situations, it's perfectly okay to check in with your inner master to see if your master is training your inner master. Hell yes. James Sakalis was teaching his awesome spiral somatics class, and he was writing on the board. And as you know, he's from Australia. He's writing these words and words like flavor and color and things like that. Well, as you know, they they spell that with an extra letter yeah. in there. O -U. So it's yeah. O U R instead of O R, as it yeah. is here in America. Yeah. And I blurted out. Uh, I said, "Aw, isn't that cute? How the Australian puts an extra U in everything." And he said, he looks at it, he goes, "Yeah, it's the fuck you." <laughs> it was that's so great. fucking hilarious. I practically fell out of my seat. Oh my god, that's anyway. hilarious. Yeah, I, I remember. Um, so you know, my my um, uh, little itty bitty wife Tanya, yeah, grew up in Kenya where they speak the the king's English, uh -huh. right? And she also spells that way, uh -huh. and. You, she once was just completely upside down and backwards miffed to use her term because her English teacher at a community college here in California was writing her for spelling things like that. Oh my C O L O U R for color, right. right? Right. And and she basically like fought back with the teacher. And she's like, but this is proper English. This is the way it's supposed to be spelled. And she's like, well in America we spell it like this. And Oh boy, was she mad. Wow. You know? <laughs> she did not okay. take that well because, you know, the English teacher was spelling it wrong, okay? R-O-N-G, wrong. Yes. R-O-U-N-G. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> <laughs> been listening to The Authenticity Show with your hosts, Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. My name is Oliver Altine. I record, edit, and produce the show. I also wrote the theme song, which you're listening to right now. And the interstitial music this time is a new tune of mine called Chicken Little. 
It's going to be on my upcoming album, but in the meantime, you can find it on my SoundCloud page or my YouTube page. Please remember to subscribe to The Authenticity Show wherever you get your podcasts and connect with us on social media. We would love to hear from you. And you can find our website at authenticityshow.com. Thanks for listening and have an authentic day. Thank you.